pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. that comes from this service this morning every healing every deliverance every answer to a perplexing problem we thank you that it's already done in jesus name amen and amen and you may be seated hallelujah y'all all right this morning good children you're dismissed Jessica, you doing anything this morning? All right. Youth is dismissed. Praise the Lord. Well, if you got your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me in your Bibles or in your iPhone app or iPad app or whatever you got to Mark, the 10th chapter. Mark chapter 10. I want to talk to you about overcoming handicaps this morning. And I found a fine example of overcoming a handicap in the Bible. His name is Old Blind Bartimaeus. Well, we can't call him blind anymore. Jesus healed him. But Bartimaeus, in Mark, the 10th chapter, verse 46, it says, Then they came to Jericho, Jesus and the disciples, together with a large crowd. And they were leaving the city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Boy, that's the start of every miracle, you know, just Amen. come to Jesus. <laughs> what do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. You know, I noticed something really interesting about this passage of Scripture in the Message Bible. And it said when Bartimaeus called on Jesus, he called him son of David, but then he called him mercy. He said, son of David, mercy, have mercy on me. And old blind, uh, blind Bartimaeus was asking mercy to have mercy on him. How many know Jesus is the epitome of mercy? And usually mercy is associated with healing of some type. When you cry out for mercy, you usually get healed. Amen? And there's times when prayer, when I was at the end of the road, is concerning prayer for a certain individual at time, from time to time. And I didn't know how to pray for him ever, anymore. I, I prayed everything that I knew to pray for him in the natural. And so I got to the place where 
the Holy Ghost just quickened me and said, cry out for mercy for them. You know, mercy <laughs> takes care of everything. So when you don't know how to pray for as you are, in addition to praying in your heavenly language, just cry out for mercy. God, I don't know what to pray for them anymore. I don't know how to meet their need, but you do. Yes. Have mercy on them. Amen? Amen. Mercy is a catch-all. But you know, a lot of people don't care for the Message Bible. And I've been ridiculed for using it because they say it's not a real translation. But you know what? It is a real translation. And you know, we have all kinds of translations. You got NIV, you got the New Living, you got the King James, the New King James, you got all kinds of translations. And uh, most of them are considered good translations because they're translated from the original text. They're, they're translated from uh, the Old Testament from the Hebrew, the New Testament from the Greek and the Aramaic. And so they actually translate it into our language using the, the Hebrew and the Greek and the Aramaic languages. That's good. And there's so many different translations because there's so many different words that can be used for certain Greek words and Hebrew words. And, you know, what's the best one? I don't know. They're all good. Amen. I cut my teeth on the King James Version, so I kind of use that as my base. But I also look at other translations to bring more clarity to certain passages of Scripture. And then you have a paraphrase, which is just a translation from a translation. In other words, they take a translation like the King James, and then they translate, break it down into more understandable language. And uh, that's real good, but it's not as reliable as a real translation. And then you have the Message Bible. And the Message Bible is different because it uses idioms. But it was translated from the original text. And an idiom is just a figure of speech that we're usually accustomed to. For example, if I was to tell you that someone kicked the bucket, most of you would understand that somebody died. Amen? And, you know, uh, Unless somebody actually kicked a bucket, you know, but, but more times than not, you would understand it to mean that somebody died. So-and-so kicked the bucket, he died. He went on to be with Jesus or something. And did you ever hear someone say they got their bell rung? <laughs> Unless they have a real bell hanging out in front of their house and somebody actually rang it, they're usually talking about they either bumped their heads or got knocked in the head, you know. Well, these are idioms, and you'll find a lot of that in the Message Bible. It's full of idioms, and it makes it interesting, but also makes it easily more uh, more easily understood. So I don't have a problem with the Message Bible. I don't use it a whole lot, but every once in a while, I use it to bring out a point. So I want to read this passage of Scripture that we just read in the NIV, and I want to read it in the Message Bible just to give you an example. The Message Bible says that Jesus stopped in his tracks. Call him over. They called him. They said, it's your lucky day. Get up. He's calling you to come. Throwing off his coat, he was on his feet at once and came to Jesus. And Jesus said, what can I do for you? And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. On your way, said Jesus, your faith has saved and healed you. In that very instant, he recovered his sight and followed Jesus down the road. That's pretty plain, isn't it? Easy to understand. See, Bartimaeus is an interesting study because 
he's a good example of how to overcome a handicap and also how to approach God when it comes to having a need met. You know, people don't think they have handicaps, but you know, every one of us have a has a handicap or more than one even. It's not always a physical thing like a crippled hand or a broken foot or something like that. You can have spiritual handicaps, emotional handicaps, but you, you have a handicap. And I hope you'll be able to recognize at least one of them today because I'm going to give you the solution to overcoming these handicaps. So he may have been severely handicapped. I think blindness is a severe handicap. So he, must, he might have been severely handicapped, but this was a man that had some bulldog tenacity. He was a man that wouldn't take no for an answer. He was a man that kept pushing until he got what he wanted. And, and he absolutely refused to let his handicap keep him from receiving what he needed from Jesus. And I believe some of us will be able to identify with this man in a lot of different, different ways. He's a good example to the church and those who have had to trust and depend on God for something. You ever have to trust God or depend on God for something because man couldn't provide what you needed? And handicap is defined as any disadvantage that makes success more difficult. A physical or mental disability making participation in certain of the usual activities of daily living more difficult. And I want you to say it says, I want you to see it said difficult, not impossible. And Matthew and Luke also gave this account of Bartimaeus' healing in, in their gospel uh, writings. So it must be important since the Holy Ghost recorded it three times. And I don't know if you realize it or not, but when it comes to believing God for something, there's always some type of handicap that does exactly what the definition brings forth. It's trying to make it difficult for you to, to receive something. It's always something that's standing in your way, a hindrance of some type, an obstacle of some type, some type of disadvantage, and it's usually physical, emotional, or spiritual. Now, you're not going to like this next part, but <laughs> especially if you have a handicap, but God doesn't always remove our handicaps. He does, however, always give us the ability to overcome our handicaps. Amen. And I, I think I just answered somebody's question as to why they haven't had this happen yet or hadn't had this fixed yet or hadn't had this thing healed yet. But did you know the Apostle Paul had a particular handicap? And he called it a messenger of Satan that was sent to torment him. How many knows that's a handicap? Because that, that messenger of Satan was in his face every time he tried to do something, every time he tried to go forward. And Paul called it a thorn in his flesh. And he asked the Lord three times to remove it, but the Lord wouldn't do it. Instead, he told him, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And you know, grace not only represents undeserved favor, but it also represents uh, the strength, the anointing, the power of Christ. And that's why right after Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you, he said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And, you know, pointing to the fact that his strength is made per perfect in our weaknesses. Because he has no weakness. Amen? Amen? So, in other words, Paul 
there's a purpose for your handicap. And I'm not going to remove it because I've given you so much revelation that it would be easy for you to get the big head. It would be easy for you to actually become arrogant. And I've allowed this thorn in your flesh, this messenger of Satan, to buffet you to keep you humble. Amen? Why? Because if Paul got proud, then God would have to resist him. Because he said, I give grace to the humble, but I resist the proud. So it was actually a blessing for Paul. And, and uh, he's saying, you'll be all right, Paul, because my grace, my strength working in and through you will be sufficient for you to overcome this handicap. So God doesn't always remove our handicaps, but he always gives us the ability, the power, the strength to overcome them. Yes. And you know, living with them isn't as bad then when you learn how to overcome them. Uh, well, anyway, back to Bartimaeus and his encounter with Jesus. The Lord is traveling from Galilee to Jerusalem, and on the way, he made a stop in Jericho. And while in Jericho, he, he encounters Zacchaeus, the little tax collector that ran up a tree so he could see Jesus. He says, Zacchaeus, this is your day, man. I'm going to have lunch at your house today. And to make, make a, a story a long story short, Jesus changed his life that day. And uh, as he was leaving Jericho, after this blessing with Zacchaeus and everything, his encounter uh, with Zacchaeus, he has this encounter with blind Bartimaeus. But the name Jericho is interesting. It has a really interesting history to go with it because it means curse or accursed. So Jericho was cursed. It was an accursed city. And it became known as the accursed city because when Joshua captured it, he pronounced a curse upon it. And you wonder what the city do to deserve a curse like that. And the curse was that no one would ever rebuild that city. But it was the first city that the Israelites conquered when they entered into the promised land. And they defeated it, you know, handily and promptly but the ruins of Jericho was meant to be an eternal monument to the fact that God hates idolatry because that was the epitome that was the capital of idolatry in the promised land and it was obviously rebuilt because Jesus visited there and Zacchaeus lived there and Bartimaeus lived there and so it was a, a thriving functioning city although it was cursed uh, but just because it was rebuilt doesn't mean that the curse was dismissed. It wasn't. And because of that curse, a lot of people would avoid going to that city, especially superstitious people. You know, you wouldn't go to a house if you thought it was haunted. And so people wouldn't go to Jericho because they knew it was cursed and they didn't want no part of that curse rubbing off on them. But people actually lived in Jericho. But here's the significance of that. And this is what's so unique about Jesus, is he has a habit of going to places that other people avoid. Amen? Amen? He went to a city that was cursed, and he knew it was cursed, but he went anyway. And thank God he does, because that's exactly where Jesus found me. I was living in the accursed place when Jesus found me. I didn't go looking for Jesus. I didn't know where Jesus was. 
Jesus came looking for me, and he was willing to go into the accursed place to find me. Thank God for that, right? Yes. And don't look at me in that tone of voice because he found you in the same place. And as he was leaving, he meets, this, he meets this man that lived there in the accursed place. And, and it's not easy living in a place like that. It's one thing to just pass through, but it's another thing if you had to live there. And Bartimaeus lived there. And Jesus went to the accursed place, saved Zacchaeus. As he was leaving, he met old Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. So Bartimaeus is not actually his name. It simply identifies him with his family roots. Timaeus is his father's name. He is the son of Timaeus. That's not his name. That's just identifying what family he came from. But that name Timaeus, if you look it up, it means polluted, nasty, dirty, corrupt, and filthy. What a name. How would you like to be named Timaeus? So when people looked at Bartimaeus, they seen the son of a nasty man, the son of a filthy man, the son of a corrupt man, the son of a messed up man. And you talk about a handicap, in addition to his blindness, this also was a handicap. And the place that he lived was cursed. His people were nasty, his home was cursed, his whole family was messed up, he was blind. And on top of all of that, the Bible says he was a beggar. And we think we have problems. Lord have mercy. You know, I'm sure some of us can identify with Bartimaeus here. I know I could. And we can identify in the fact that we too have some handicaps. Maybe not as severe as Bartimaeus' handicap, but we do have some problems. We have some difficulties that we need to overcome. And you know, overcome is an interesting word because it means that you have to overcome something. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> it, and, and if you didn't ever have problems, you would never have anything to overcome. And yet we're called to be overcomers. In the book of Revelation, seven times at least it says, he that overcometh. Yes. So we're, we're called to overcome some things. Not just go along with them, but to overcome them. Especially if they're standing in our way and they're keeping us from being all that we need to be for God or for anybody else or even for ourselves. We shouldn't allow those things to hinder us. We should overcome them. Amen. Come over them. Put them behind us. Amen. And, and you know, we need to learn to concentrate on all the things that we have working for us. Because no matter what your handicap is or how many handicaps you have, you do have some things that work for you. Amen. And the reason we can't overcome our handicaps is because we get so focused on our deficiencies and the things that we can't do that we ignore our assets. We ignore the things that we can do. And in verse 47 it says, Talking about Bartimaeus. And when he heard that it was Jesus. You know he was blind but he wasn't deaf. And most of us would be so focused on being blind. That we'd spend uh, all our time in a pity, a pity party. Completely ignoring the fact that we could hear. Not only hear but our hearing would probably be enhanced. Because that's how the body compensates for shortcomings. I might not be able to see good, but I can hear real good. 
Ask my kids. My wife can see and hear real good. She can see in the front, in the back, and on both sides. She could hear them while they were out on the street and we were sitting at home. So, you know, we got some things working for us. You know, a lot of people, uh, like I said, would have a pity party. and They'd be moaning and groaning and concentrating on all the things they don't have working for them when they should be thanking God for what they do have. In other words, don't focus on the handicap. Concentrate on what you have to overcome it. Latin Bartimaeus didn't have much, but he could hear. And he heard it was Jesus. He heard things that other people missed. In other words, whatever is messed up in your life, look around. Because God will compensate for it by balancing you out in other areas. Not only did he hear, but he heard who it was. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he might not have been able to see him, but God allowed him to hear who it was. And sometimes we see what's being said. Sometimes we hear what's being said. And like in the book of Revelation, John said he turned to uh, see the voice that was speaking to him. He, it didn't say he turned to hear the voice. It said he turned to see the voice that was speaking to him. So, you know, we can see, we can hear, we can compensate our seeing with our hearing, and we can compensate our hearing with our seeing. And that's what Blind Bartimaeus is doing here. He, and, and he had remarkable social skills, too. He's a beggar. He knows how to get what he wants. He knew how to wheel and deal. He knew how to talk people into things. He knew how to negotiate for things. And he knew how to be a risk taker. See, we don't, we don't like to take risks sometimes. And sometimes it keeps us from getting the things that we want and need because we're not willing to take a risk for it. He was willing to take a risk. He was willing to step out on faith. He knew how to get people to do things for him. And he knew something was happening because he heard all the noise. So he probably had to step up and step out and ask somebody what was going on. And he was willing to take the, the risk of being rebuked because people didn't take too kindly to nasty, filthy, polluted, dirty, messed up people, especially a blind beggar. And so he was rebuked. He was told to shut up. But he stepped out and spoke all the more. And one of our biggest problems today is we don't like to take risks because it would take us out of our comfort zones. That's why we don't witness for Jesus the way that we should because we're afraid we'd be rejected. That's right. But I got news for you. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. Yes. And while we're here, just let me say this. Fear is one of the most, if not the most, effective handicap that the devil can put on somebody. Because fear will keep you from doing anything. And fear comes from the devil. God has no fear. There's no fear in heaven. 
And there's well over, some people say there's 365 fear knots in the Bible, one for every day of the, the year. I don't know if that's true or not. I do know there's over 300 fear knots in the Bible. There's three, at least 300 and more places in the Bible that tells us not to fear something. So I'm going to make you mad now. I'm going to make you mad by telling you that if you're living in fear, then you don't know the Jesus that I know. If you're living in fear, you don't know the Jesus that I know. Well, I can't fly. I can't drive. I can't change jobs. I can't climb a ladder. I can't swim. I can't witness. I can't. I can't. I can't. All because of fear. Fear is keeping you from doing things that you know you should be doing. Amen. Fear is thinking, keeping you from living life the way that God wants you to live it. And, you know, he never, did, he never said it wouldn't be a struggle. He never did say that you wouldn't have to overcome some things in order to enjoy the God kind of life. As a matter of fact, the more you pursue God, the more difficulties you're going to have, the more things you're going to have to overcome. But he made us overcomers. He gave us everything that we need to overcome. And if you're not overcoming fear, it's because you don't know the Jesus that I know. Amen. I had a fear of climbing the ladder one time. I think I told you this story. And I got, I needed, some, I needed to call a window that was two stories up. And it, I put my ladder up on a concrete slab. So if I would have fell, I would probably bounce instead of get absorbed by soft ground. And I had my son Chris there with me. He's holding the ladder. He wouldn't even get up on the ladder. And it was a long extension ladder. And when you got up about middle ways, it started doing this. And you started doing this. <laughs> and I couldn't move. I was halfway up and couldn't move. I was petrified. And the Holy Ghost spoke to my heart. I didn't hear an audible voice. I knew he spoke to my heart. He said, there's only one way to get over this fear. He says, keep climbing. So I did. One step at a time, slowly but surely, I climbed to the top of that ladder with my cock gun in my hip and my rag in my pocket and, and a scraper. And I got up to the top of that ladder and I was holding out with one hand and I eased that other hand up and I started scraping a little bit. And before you knew it, I was all over that ladder. I was hanging and I was scraping and I was caulking and everything. No more fear. Why? I overcame it. Yes. I overcame that fear. And to this day, I can climb a ladder. Don't even give it a second thought. But that fear would overcome me. And it would have cost me some money. Because you have to pay people to climb ladders like that. But the problem with most Christians is that their Jesus is just an historical figure to them. Not anybody in this church, but you may know somebody like that. Jesus is just a figure out of the history books. But my Jesus is alive. Their Jesus is either a babe in a manger, he's still hanging on the cross, or he's still laying in the tomb. But my Jesus is alive. Yeah. 
There Jesus is meek and mild, walking around with his hands folded and a halo over his head. But my Jesus is alive and victorious. Yes. He rose victorious with the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hand. Yes. That's my Jesus. And my Jesus is the same Jesus that John saw in the book of Revelation. He said he turned to see what was being spoken and he said he turned and he seen one like unto the son of man, his hair white as wool and white as snow and his eyes piercing fire penetrate his very soul. He said he was clothed from his head down to his toe in a kingly priestly garment with gold paps around his chest indicating his high priesthood and his feet were like shining brass. That's my Jesus. Yes. He had in his right hand seven stars and in his mouth a two-edged sword that pierced and divided. That's my Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, Jesus is the one whose countenance shines like the sun in all his strength. Yes. He's, not, he's not on the cross. He's not still in the grave. He's not meek and mild. He's not some man be paying be Jesus. He is a victorious Jesus. He rose from the dead victorious. That's the Jesus that I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death with. That's the Jesus that's alongside of me every time fear tries to come upon me. I rebuke that fear and, and the devil sees the same Jesus that I see and he runs. That's the Jesus that you need to know. If you know any other Jesus, let me introduce you to my Jesus. Because you need to replace yours. That's the Jesus that blind Bartimaeus was calling out to. He hadn't died on the cross. He hadn't been buried. He hadn't been resurrected yet. He hadn't did, uh, defeat the devil and take the keys of death and hell. But blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus knew that enough about Jesus and knew that he had enough power to heal his blinded eyes. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And because of that, Bartimaeus was willing to take a chance and speak up. We're not willing to take a chance. We're not willing to step out and step up when we need to. And that's the reason we're so easily defeated in a lot of things. Okay, I won't. <laughs> See, we give up too quickly. We shut our mouths too soon. And you know, uh, Mark Hankins, a, a, a pastor and evangelist and worldwide minister, I've got his books, I've read his books, I've heard his messenger. He says that your voice is your address in the spirit. Yes. So, and, and this is just an analogy, but if you don't ever speak up, Jesus don't know where you live. Jesus can't find your house, and if he can't find your house, he can't bring you the things that you need. Amen. And so you, you need to begin to shout when you need something. You need to begin to dance or spin or jump up and down or wave your hands. You need to let Jesus know where you are and what you need. That's exactly what Bartimaeus was doing. 
And nobody was going to stop him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But most people would rather give up than try. But we got to stop making excuses, stop blaming others and other things, Amen. and just concentrate on what you have going for you and use that. Amen? Amen? After he heard who it was, the Bible says, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, like the message Bible said, mercy, have mercy on me. I can't see you, but I know you're there. I know I'm in a cursed place. I know I'm messed up. I know my family's messed up. I know I'm a nasty beggar. I know I'm filthy. I know I come from a, a bad line of uh, 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 nasty people. But Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. All that stuff doesn't count when you get mercy. And I know he was annoying because the people around him kept telling him to shut up. And that's when we have to ignore the people around us and shout all the more louder. I know I'm not worthy. I know I don't deserve anything from you. But Jesus, have mercy on me. We don't deserve mercy, but he gives it. And like I said earlier, man, when you don't know how to pray for someone or you don't know what to pray for, ask for mercy to cover it all. He kept saying it over and over. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And remember now, he was blind, and the only thing that he could do to get Jesus' attention was to keep saying and keep shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what I'm trying to say is that whenever you want something from the Lord, you have to learn how to use what you got, even if it's only a big mouth. Use it. Amen. You use it for everything else. Oh, the ghost told me not to say that, but <laughs> I thought I was just thinking it. <laughs> if you want to overcome handicaps, the first thing you have to do is concentrate on what you have yes. and use that. In verse 48, the people told him, shut up. And he probably told them, shut up. Don't say that in the Bible, but he probably said, you shut up. <laughs> but if you want something from God, you got to learn how to overcome what others are saying about you. You have to learn how to push through. You have to learn how to turn a deaf ear to people sometimes. And you have to learn how to overcome what people think and say about you. That's what holds us back is the fear of what somebody that don't care anything about you is going to think or say. That's right. Amen. And we're afraid of that. And it holds us back. See, if you don't come overcome the fear of what others think or say about you, then you'll never get to where you need to be. You'll never get to your destination. If Bartimaeus listened to the people around him and he would have shut up like they told him to, he would have died a blind beggar. So we've got to get past what other people think and say. That took me years, and sometimes it, it tries to hinder me to this day, and I have to overcome it. I have to know that I'm preaching the truth and there's nothing they can say to deny it. Even though they do, I still preach it. Amen. I still go with what the Bible says. Yeah. Pastor Ed and I was talking about this junk that's going on and this global warming and all of this junk and stuff like that. And I told her, I said, for you to believe, for anybody, not her, she don't believe, but for anybody to believe in 
global warming, especially a Christian, they would first have to believe that God made a mistake in creation. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't see that ozone stuff. What was I thinking when I created the world? You know, I, oh, I should have seen that. Now the, the world is going to go up. Poof, because I couldn't think of that. You know? No, that's stupid. Well, there's energy shortages. That's why we have to rely on the wind and rely on the, the waves or what. I don't know what they rely on. The, you know, solar, the sun and the wind. Don't you know God could block the sun out and stop the wind from blowing? Yeah, you better be worried about the creator of the wind and the creator of the light and the creator of the sun rather than worry about energy, running out of energy. Another mistake God didn't think of. God didn't think it when he placed man on this earth that he would run out of resources and die. That's so stupid. We're going to save the planet. No, you ain't. Jesus is going to save the planet when he comes back. And he's saving it from all these idiots that think they're gonna that they're gonna save it. Come on, Pastor. Uh. <laughs> so when anyway, what I was saying was that me and Pastor Red made up our mind a long time ago. Uh, we're gonna believe what the Bible says, not what some idiot says, you know? But whenever you're trying to move forward in the things of God, there's always going to be someone, even in the church, trying to shut you up. That's right. When I pass, you know, all that shouting ain't necessary because the Lord ain't deaf. Yeah, and he ain't nervous either. I mean, why do we get so hung up on what people might think or say about us when they don't even care about you? Why do we let it affect our behavior and how we think? You know, there are a lot of times we keep quiet when we know we should speak up. Amen. But we're afraid that we're going to hurt somebody's feelings or we're afraid that we're going to offend them and we're afraid that they're going to retaliate and so we shut up and we hold back the truth and let them think that what they're doing is true. That's not right. There's a lot of times we know that we should do something, but we don't do it because we're afraid of what someone might think or what someone might say, even though we know it's the right thing to do. You know, you might say that you don't care what people think or say about you, but if that was true, we'd be a much better witness for Christ, wouldn't we? Amen. What's the one thing hold you back from witnessing? You're afraid what they might think or say. You're afraid they might reject you. Poor little old you. They might hurt your feelings and reject you. The whole world rejected Jesus, even his own people. Yeah. It didn't stop him. As I was studying this message, this is just interesting stuff, but... I was thinking about the effect that other people's opinions have on us. I was, I was uh, that way too. It, it affected me for a long time. And the Holy Ghost kept bringing up this word hamstrung. I kept hearing hamstrung. Hamstrung. And I'm like, what is that? I didn't think it was the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to concentrate here. 
But then I realized it was the Holy Ghost because I don't think of things like that on my own. And when it kept coming back, I knew I had to address it and see what it was there for. So I look up hamstrings, and I, and I, I, I kind of knew what it was because I pulled them before running. But it's the tendons that connect the muscles in the back of the leg and behind the knee. And, and, and connects them from the behind the knee to the buttocks. And if you've ever been involved in sports or just running hard one day without warming up and you pull the hamstring, not, not cut it, but pulled it, man, they, you come up lame, you can't run anymore. And you gotta nurse that thing till, till it comes back to feeling good. Very painful, very painful. So I wasn't sure how to apply to the message that I'm preaching this morning, so I looked it up in the dictionary, and the first word that popped up when I looked up uh, hamstrung in the dictionary was handicapped. I said, now I know. Now I know what he's talking about. I mean, how appropriate, because that's exactly what I, I'm talking about this morning, is being handicapped. But it also des describes hamstrung as being constrained, restricted, crippled, shackled, fettered, encumbered, blocked, frustrated, cramped, bridled, hampered, hindered, and so on. I mean, it's talking about fear here because that's exactly what fear does is it hamstrings you. And you can't run the race anymore. So then I did a word search in the Bible to see if it had biblical meaning to it because I don't ever remember seeing it in the Bible. And I found a couple different examples. The King James calls it being yuned. So that's why I didn't recognize hamstrung. But King David captured a thousand of his enemies' chariots and 7,000 charioteers, 20,000 foot soldiers. And it says that he hamstrung all but a hundred of the chariot horses. A thousand chariots, I don't know, four or six horses to chariots, so a lot of horses. And he hamstrung all but a hundred. And you know, uh, he's conquering nations, but he don't want to wipe them out because he wants them to serve his kingdom and provide tax money and labor and crops and cattle and all this stuff. So, but he would hamstring the horses, <clears throat> the, the war horses, so they can never be used against him in war again. So it makes sense, right? And so, <laughs> but isn't that what the devil would like to do to you? Hamstring you so you can't be used against him in war in the future. So I come to the conclusion the Holy Ghost is telling us that when it comes to public opinion or fear, the devil has us hamstrung. How's that for an idiom? See, we should think less about what people think and say about us and think more about what God thinks and says about us. If Noah would have allowed the devil to hamstring him with fear or what people might think or say about him, he would have never finished building the ark. If the, women, if the woman with an issue of blood had been concerned about what people would think or say about her as she's pushing through that crowd trying to get to Jesus, she would have never made it to Jesus and she would have died with that issue. Amen. See, when you need something from God, sometimes you just have to, I don't know, get ignorant. 
keep shouting, keep confessing. No matter what other people are thinking or saying about you, keep crying, Jesus have mercy on me. And when someone tells you to shut up, they're trying to hamstring you. Because if you shut up, you'll never get your miracle. That's right. You have to overcome it, press in, and be persistent. Now, you know, I don't know what your fear is. But I know everybody's got one. And you need to overcome it. You know, Pastor Red was claustrophobic. Pastor Red had a fear of being enclosed in something. I never had that fear. I was, as a child, I used to go underground, under the streets of Chicago. They had these passageways and things. You'd go under the streets of Chicago. We used to go under there and explore because people used to dump stuff there. And we'd go see what we could find. Never had a problem with being enclosed. But some people, and it's, it is a, it's a legitimate concern. It, it is a real problem to be claustrophobic or feel like you're being closed in or smothered or suffocated or something like that. And Pastor Red had that, and she had to uh, take a MRI one time, and she wouldn't do it. She had to give her an open MRI, and that's how, how bad it was. But then she decided she's going to get over this fear because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. So she knew she had to overcome that fear. So here she comes for this recent test that she had where they put her in a vacuum chamber and they sucked the air out of it so she could take these particular tests and stuff. Now she's closed in. All she's got is a voice on the other side of the wall talking to her. You know she overcome that fear? Amen. Right there in that thing? And, you know, and my point is this. I don't care what it is. You can do it. Yes. Maybe not the first time. It took her a while. She, she, had, uh, she refused a lot of certain things because of that fear. But then she got to the place where she says, no more. No more fear. I'm going in there and I'm coming out. Amen. And, you know, we make jokes. That says they don't know what they're doing. There's going to be a new door or window there in a minute. <laughs> But she hung in there and she overcome that fear. I'm so proud of her. But people will tell you to shut up. People will ridicule you uh, because of your beliefs. And, and it keeps us quiet, doesn't it? Well, I better not say nothing because I know they don't believe in Jesus. and they just going to say something ignorant. And like Queenie, he's always wanting to shoot somebody. I said, just get them saved before you send them to meet Jesus, okay? <laughs> but you know, you got to keep pressing in. You got to keep pushing. Yes. And you don't quit until you get to your destination. You know, that's one thing about Pastor S. She's got that bulldog tenacity. She don't quit. She'll latch on to something and she won't let go until it's complete. That's what we all need. And, and you know, the purpose of communion is so that we can remember Jesus and what he's done for us. Hallelujah. But unless you know the same Jesus I do, I want you to forget about your Jesus this morning. And I want to introduce you to my Jesus, Amen. the one who rose victorious with the keys of death, hell, and the grave in his hands. Yeah. The one that made a show of the devil openly yeah. and strong.
stripped him of all his power. Jesus has all power. And he gave it to the church. All power. Say all power. All power. He didn't come to talk. He came to take over. Amen. My Jesus is a talking Jesus, but he's a he's a Jesus of action. My Jesus takes action. Hallelujah. <laughs> I better quit while I'm in trouble. Before I get in trouble. While I'm still ahead here. I mean, I feel the anointing lifting, but <laughs> you see here, I still got plenty of notes left. <laughs> I'm quitting. I'm quitting right now. We're going we're gonna to receive communion this morning, and I want to introduce you to my Jesus. Who's uh, serving this morning? I need two volunteers. Well, there we go. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.